Hello, everybody. World Cup Day 4 action. Yes, that's right. Back-to-back -back days on the Cantina MX pod. And we're going to talk about today's results, which were continuing to be upsetting. And obviously, some thoughts that I have about the region of CONCACAF and the Americas in general. But before I go any further, let's welcome Joel. Back-to-back -back days, man. <laughs> yeah. We're fortunate that the games are at a time, played at a time that's favorable for both of us. And then we're yes, sir. To pod, yeah. Yeah, we weren't able to do it last World Cup, but this one, here we are. So I'm, I'm going to have to say I disagree with you, Jaime. With what? You're calling it disappointing. I'm guessing the region. Well, you know, when you look at the World Cup qualifying performances and what we're seeing out there on the pitch, for those that uh, that haven't been able to catch today's games, Canada and Costa Rica were both scoreless and were on the losing end here. Um, Spain absolutely destroyed them 7-0. And then with uh, Belgium, despite Canada having a great quote-unquote great performance uh they ended up being toothless and uh lost one zero so as a region um CONCACAF has had two draws and and two defeats it's not looking good and with one goal and only one goal <laughs> with what how many against uh seven eight nine <laughs> Hard to argue against that, I mean, but I will anyway. I think for many of those games, they're, they're teams that were like quite evenly matched. So U.S., Wales, they're quite even. Um, I, I think I think the U.S. was even slight favorites um, in the betting. And Mexico, Poland as well, they were pretty, pretty quite matched with I think the opposite here with Poland being slightly favored, a lot of it, you know, betting on uh, Lewandowski. And then I would say if we compare, if we compare um, Canada to Belgium, Belgium's not the stronger team, again, favored. Mm -hmm. So despite that defeat, I feel they did pretty good. You know, sucks for them. Missed that. Uh, could have probably. Um, and then the one that was a horrible result, obviously Costa Rica. They just choked hard, and I think they're a country that has proven that they're better than that. You know, they showed it in 2014. They showed it in. Um, they've kind of put put some results in the past. And for them to get just brutal, you know, got murdered like that, it was just disappointing. It does make the region look bad, that one result. But I would say that's more the exception. The other teams held their own pretty good. I'm starting to wonder if this is their worst uh, defeat ever. 7-0? Mm. For Costa Rica, yes, I'm sure it is. 
Uh, it's still the same beat of Salvador's, what was it, 1001? Yeah. <laughs> in, uh, in fact, Costa Rica has only been to the World Cup one, two, three, four, five times. Six times, uh, counting this one. And yeah. And then it was their first. And then when they came, um, remember the 2014. Joel, your, um, uh, your voice is uh, cutting out a little bit. Okay, what about now? Is there it you better? Go. I remember just playing the opener in 06. I know they had played the 90. And then I remember their good run in 2014. 2002. Oh, well, yeah, I don't remember watching them at all. I don't think I even bothered with them. 2002, <laughs> they beat China 2 0. They tied Turkey and lost to Brazil. Oh, okay. I remember that now. I remember the the Brazil game now. I watch one that that was that will be it. Yeah, I think the the thing though is, and I and I said it yesterday, like, and I've been saying it for a while, like, you know, good for Canada finishing number one in the region, but once once they go to the World Cup, it's a different animal, and I mean. They actually, I'm not going to lie, they played okay against Belgium. They just didn't have their finishing boots. They actually created more chances. And they missed a penalty. Davies missed a penalty, like, early on. So that's been a, a theme in the World Cup. You know, you miss, you pay. And I don't see this getting any easier for Canada. I mean, Belgium, not a walk in the park. But if you look at the rest of the group, they got Croatia and Morocco. Well, you you could argue that that was the more difficult opponent. Uh, some people are saying that the Croatia team is not is not as strong as the one they reached the final. Yeah, Croatia today tied zero zero with Morocco. I didn't watch that. That was at two in the morning. Um, yeah, so I wasn't able to catch that. Yeah, and that's the one other thing that we shouldn't be surprised of. Seeing these, some of these teams from the Middle East doing good because they're playing in their backyard, and you could say that's what was needed, you know. Pretty sure Morocco's in Africa, bro. <laughs> God damn! They look big. They, they I know they it's failed. like Tunisia. You know, people think, oh, they're in the Middle Tunisia. East. No, they're they're in Africa as well. They do sound like they do because they're all like, like um, Muslim. Yeah, uh, and that's that's my confusion, and I'm sticking with it. You might as well be the <laughs> tomato, tomato, Jaime. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Ya mejor me voy, Jaime. Ya me voy. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> if we look at just like South America and North America combined, only Ecuador has had a favorable result. They've, they're, they're the only ones that have won. <laughs> Well, Brazil hasn't played, have they? USA tied. Argentina lost. Mexico tied. And then Costa Rica lost and, and Canada lost, man. South America. I, You know, I'm very disappointed, especially considering that, you know, it's in the Middle East. There's going to be that heat factor. And I thought, oh, you know, they might have an advantage, but hasn't been the case. Yeah. Well, Brazil hasn't played, have they? Brazil plays tomorrow. I think everybody has been waiting for their debut. That's Yeah, that's true. And I yeah. mean, 
I, they, they play against Serbia, which is not going to be an easy opponent. But no. the expectations are that they that they're the candidates to win the World Cup. Yeah, they're one of the candidates for sure. Um, and I think, uh, well, let's see what let's see if there's any more surprises. <laughs> so far, there has uh, there hasn't been a day where there hasn't been surprises. Maybe the it's good. It's just what makes the the, the World Cup memorable, Jaime. This is yeah. These type of games, these type of results. I would I would say like the second day with like England, Senegal, and and Wales, all those were pretty much as expected. But I mean Argentina losing yesterday, and then obviously today's loss for for Germany, man, two to one against Japan. Shout out to Japan, played an incredible second half, yeah. and, and then their uh, fans cleaned the stadium, Jaime. <laughs> Joel, I'm gonna just say it: Germany hasn't been the same since Irving Lozano scored on them. <laughs> we broke them. We broke them. Maybe they need to send their players to Europe, Jaime. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's that's the one topic because I've seen it trending again, and it's been a hot topic for for a couple of years now uh, in in Mexican football. The whole issue of when Mexico has more players abroad. So I got into it in Twitter, and this guy replied to me, and I didn't get a chance to reply. But he was saying, because I asked, show me the money, right? Mm-hmm. Said if if that's true that with more players abroad the team improves, well then show me the results, because Mexico went from zero players. Well, look, look at '94; they just had Luis Garcia. Right, mm-hmm. Luis Garcia, and by now there's at least what, like, how many? Jaime, five, seven players. Um, well, sixteen of them are in Liga Mekis, and then we have a couple in MLS. So we have less than than ten players in Europe right now. Yeah, but there's there's been at least five for the past couple World Cups where they've had at least five or six, and there really hasn't been any improvement, not even in the slightest. And so then the argument is now, well, there needs to be 50 players, and then they have to be like starters in top teams. And so, but there's a fallacy in that, Jaime, because if you, if, if Mexico is creating that level of talent that is world-class that are playing in the top teams as starters and key players, Mm -hmm. then you don't need to be in Europe. Because when that type of player doesn't go to Europe to become better, they go to make the team better. That's not why they buy them, you know? Uh, Barcelona didn't buy Ronaldinho because they're going to make him into Ronaldinho. They buy him because he's Ronaldinho, and that's what we see with a lot of these top players that, that are over there. They weren't really made over there. That's that's I think where we get across where we feel that, oh no, that player is gonna get made. And mm-hmm. I keep using the example of Chicharo. Man, you didn't really made him, right? Unless they have some magic wand and <laughs> as soon as he got there, they fixed his boots and because he scored 20 goals the first season. And everybody said, like, Oh, it's gonna take adjustment, it's gonna take time for him to Yeah, he should have gone to Holland. Yeah, he should have went to a smaller club. <laughs> Dude, right and he he benched this one dude. Um, I forget his name, dude. He was like like Serbian Urbatov. or something. 
Yes, Berbatov, yes. Yep. He was a really good player, and he, that's who he was competing with. And he, he didn't he even make the him. bench in the Champions League final, bro. <laughs> I know, but that was his competition, which is like, you know, a, a big change from who his competition was at Chivas, right? Uh, Juan Penas or whoever it was, we don't even know. And so it's it's huge difference, but he yeah. demonstrated that. But that's the thing where, where we look at like teams Brazil, because then that's where that's where the fans were comparing it to the Brazils and the Argentinas that have that massive amount of players in all the top teams, well across all the top teams. But then if we look at those teams, they don't really need to send those players. And they're not sending them, you know, they're not sending them because they want their team. Their teams were already good before this whole Euro thing exploded because that's only been in the past years. That wasn't always the case where Europe dominated. It's only been in like the past, I guess, kind of late 90s or the past 20 something years where Europe became the dominant. Because if we compared like head to head results, it was pretty even, mm -hmm. e even for clubs, even for clubs. Uh, that's like a big reason how. Carlos Bianchi became so huge because he he took teams like Vélez Arsfield, Boca Juniors, and he played the um, club's World Cup with Copa Intercontinental um, back then. And he actually, he beat the, the Euro counterpart. He beat them like twice, I believe, with Vélez. And then, did he? I think he, I'm going off memory now. But, but, but I mean, they would get, the teams would get results. And even if you look at some of these historic teams when they would match up, the South American teams would usually whoop their ass. And so it was always like a big reason they would, they would, you know, come and bring players. But this whole idea that, oh, you know, because that's where everyone is, but is, is that's not how it works. You know what I mean? Like just yeah. that. And we should know, we should know, just landing there's not going to make you better. Look at Lightning's. He's been there for like three years. He's no better than he was when he left. <laughs> if anything, he's it's been a detriment Wait. to his development. I mean, he's he's got more physical training, but as far as playing time <laughs> yeah, goes, they just made more spinach and he yoked up. Just give him tacos at Clumbetero, man. That's you want to see the bigger dudes. <laughs> but so so we have this argument popping up again, I mean, because we have the the two. The two um, ideologies, I guess you would say, um, because the other one has been uh, if you have a good, strong league or at least your best players playing together, where, you know, they could develop that chemistry and they're bound to do good. And so that's Saudi Arabia. The majority of the teams play in the Saudi league with nine players from mm -hmm. the team playing for the same club. They're all in the same club. And they went and they got that massive result um, against Argentina, which was, again, 36-match undefeated streak. Uh, so it was like, a, a, you know, one of the, the best opponents that you could defeat right there. Obviously, top two of it. You could hope to whoop and, and make headlines. And then it was Japan, of course. But Japan does have a good amount of num uh, players in uh, across different teams in europe i was actually looking at uh japan's roster and 
they have about seven players that play in the Bundesliga. So I don't know if that was a factor in today's match. Well, it helps because, like, you know, and I mentioned it yesterday, when because of, like, the whole globalization of things, when you're meeting up against some of these teams, you've played against a lot of these guys already. You know, you're not, like, that intimidated as teams used to be before where it's, like, they would just kind of see themselves in tournaments. There was this big story with um with Menotti where he's with some of the Argentine players and they're watching the Brazilian, not the Brazilians, the Germans trained. And he's saying how his players were getting uh well, Valdano actually. Yeah, Valdano actually tells a story because he was one of the players. Yeah, they were intimidated because they saw how much more physically stronger and bigger they were. And they're like, damn, they're gonna whoop her ass. And Menotti was like, Yeah, they ain't got shit, you know, they ain't got shit on you guys. He told them if they, if they had grown up where you grew up, they wouldn't have lasted. That's kind of the home and naughty thing where he was more of a, you know, like he could like uh, influence you and change yeah, your mindset. Get in your head, yeah. Get in your head. And even the Mexican players, because he got to coach the selection in 93, I think from 92 to 93. And a lot of the players that were there, like Claudio Suarez, they'll talk about. Uh, you know, how Menotti played an influence in changing the mindset of the players. And that was part of it because, yeah, you could get intimidated. You see some of these teams and you're like, go oh, fuck, you know? But that's not so much the case now because, you know, a lot of these players are abroad and they get to play. And, and it hasn't been for a long time now, I would say. Yeah, I mean, the, Just the, the game's more global now. Yeah, number of games is insane. It, Teams didn't used to play this many games. Actually, speaking about that, how do you think that's been a factor in some of these teams' performances? Like, obviously, you don't have as much time to spend with your with your national team. It's they kind of took a break from the club like a week before the World Cup, and it. I don't know if it's been enough time yeah. for preparation for for some of these these countries. Yeah, I do think it plays a factor with the way some some teams. I mean, for some teams, you know, it's different for everyone. For some teams, it doesn't matter. And then for, for other teams, it does. It, it can have an effect on them. I look at Spain, you know, most of their team is comprised of Barcelona players, obviously, um, and Atletico Madrid. You do have some Madridistas there, but for the most part, it's, you know, you have players like Pedri and uh, Gavi. And those guys are like super young, man. They're both Gavi's 18, bro, and Pedri's 19. <laughs> and these dudes are playing and scoring in, in the World Cup. And it's like we have players like like just to give people context, that's how old Marcelo Flores is. And Marcelo Flores is playing the second division of Spain right now. We couldn't even imagine him being on the national team right now playing in the World Cup. That's just not a thing that you would give him. Wait, responsibility for which is the perspective you know like which is the good 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 thing to know because like how you see a lot of the mexican fans just throwing their load over his results for under 20 games where it's like yeah the competition is not that strong um and then yeah you need you need to oh we talked about Jaime, how a lot of the top players by the time they're 18, 19, they're already starters. So yeah. if you're 20 and you can't win the starting spot, sorry, dude, you're just not 
you're just not there yet. That's not to say he can't get good or improve because we've seen players that at a later age sort of blow like Luis uh, Matador Hernandez, even Oribe Peralta, that when they were like, what, mid, mid to late 20s, when they started to become household names. Yeah, I don't know if it's like just part of our culture, like, oh, déjalo, todavía está joven. And then <laughs> dude's got like a wife and kids already, still lives at home, and he's like... He's, he's a grandfather Let him. <laughs> his, his kids have kids. Déjalo, déjalo, um, he's not ready yet, he's not ready yet, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it's become a meme, I think, with Mexico about the jóvenes, because they do the same in Mexico, but just... They do it in just way smaller numbers. Um, Alberto Medina, 17, was already playing with the first team. Same with um, Rafa Marquez. Guardado. So, like, and well, yeah, you could go down the list and you'll see a lot of these players at, at a young age. I mean, yeah, Ochoa too, right? Um, ben Harker gives them the starting spot at like 18. Huh. Some more experienced RG player. I, I forget his name. Kind of, I have to see it like written, you no, know, no, but I mean, that's the talent. So, when the talent's there, they, they, they do good already from that age, they're already doing good. Yeah, that's just like you, you, you see, like what Spain did today against Costa Rica, and you look at like how young the team is, and then you look at Mexico, and we got like 40 year old Talavera, and uh, we have like the second <laughs> oldest average. In the World Cup, bro, and it's just like you're telling me out of these 26 spots, we couldn't have added like uh, Santi Jimenez or uh, I'm just like, dude, just like the amount of talent that we left at home that's young and like could greatly benefit from this experience. And Tata said, no, we're gonna take El Chueco Raul Jimenez. Oh man, that, one, that one's still getting to you, uh, Jaime. <laughs> I, I, I don't blame you, dude. I don't blame you. I, I do think that that's, that's, if he doesn't do anything, that's going to come down to one of those. They're not going to live it down. They're always going to ask him why. I'm you never going to financially saw, recover from this. <laughs> we, we saw it with, um, in 94 when... Uh, Mexico's playing, um, what's that team's, Bulgaria, right? And Hugo Sanchez is warming up and then they sit his ass back down. And dude, it was like 20 years of always, that would question always be brought up. Why? Why did you sit him down? What happened? Oh, it was his decision. Yeah, he eventually, he eventually talks about it, but that's going to be the same with uh, Tata, man. If I, and I guarantee you, after like 20 years, he's probably going to be like, fuck it. I'm just, you know, <laughs> it was like, there was some interest there. I, I Part of me does, you know, the tinfoil hat part of me. I do think there's like some interest there where it's like, um, maybe you have a promoter, which is one of the most influential in football and um which is Jimenez promoter could go to Tata and be like, call this fool up, man. He was worth 50 M. I'm trying to salvage something and sell him, mm-hmm. get the money, and I'll, I'll hook you up. 
I was watching uh, El Grito de Guerra on VIX Plus, and they did talk about why Hugo was warming up and ended up not going into the match because it was going it was going to go into a PK shootout. And, That's what it, you know, and, and he didn't want to take a penalty kick because he missed one. Remember, he missed one in. Uh, well, he was still in '86. In '86, and he was still like shook about that, and he denies that. Like that's the reason why he he didn't go into the game. But he, it was his, his decision. His, it, was, it was decision at the end. Well, his version was that Michelle don't want him to play in the midfield. Oh. And and he and so who says? I put him in the midfield. Uh, they're playing a man down. Just go for the kill. Throw me out there. And if that's true, he was right because you hear um, he throws Stoichkov, and he was the he was the striker. Man, yeah, he was pretty much their Hugo Sanchez. He mm-hmm. he had been massive for for Barca. And he's talked about it because he's, you know, in Univision for years. And he's, he said it in one of the broadcasts that he had to calm his players down. That once they saw Hugo Sanchez warming up, that they started getting nervous. Mm-hmm. I was like, damn, when's the last time we had a player like that? Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those uh, controversial things that just to this day people still wonder about um yeah a lot of casters asking me hey like why isn't Vela playing why isn't chicharito playing i'm like how much time you got buddy i can go <laughs> it's like this story stems from like 10 years ago now at least with the carlos vela thing and it just it just came to light last month with um david madrato what's the name uh he was talking about he was talking about uh, interviewing uh, Nestor de la Torre as to like what happened that day 10 years ago. But overall, I think so far in the World Cup, we can all agree that it's been entertaining. There's been a lot of goals. There's been a lot of shocking upsets. Um, wondering what can happen tomorrow with Uruguay, Korea, Brazil, Serbia, Portugal, Ghana, Switzerland, Cameroon. I mean... I think if Serbia was to upset Brazil, I think that would be like a big upset. I do, I do see South Korea putting in a really good fight with Uruguay, and if they were to beat them, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, these are teams that have been knocking at that door for a long time. This is Japan's one, like fifth World Cup. I, I don't know. Did they ever qualify before they hosted it? Mm, damn, they might no. Let me, oh, it looks like they, they've been a, find a, they've been a six. <laughs> six, right? But what? Starting in two thousand two. Yeah, since wait, they hosted. Wait, 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 wait. Let me see. I think the only time Korea, I think they played in sixty six. I think it was Korea that played in way back then. Oh, they actually been to the World Cup in '98, and okay, they yeah. and they lost okay, all 90. three group games. So '98 or two, ten, fourteen, seven. Oh yeah, see, so they they just been they just been there, man. They've been a big show, and and they just messing in the sport. 
same with Korea. They also been they co-hosted. So mm-hmm. yeah, these are teams that they kind of they remind me of Max, you know, where where people just don't take them serious, but they've been they've been at consistently like playing a lot of tournaments. Mm-hmm. Where it's like when they do whoop your ass, it's like well, it's not like they just started playing, you know. It's not like this is their first big win or or first shock result because they've had a few already. No, definitely. I think the, um, they've been somewhat in and out. So, like, 98, obviously, they ended up in the 31st position, uh, second-worst okay. team. But then in 2002, they they got to the round of 16. 2006, they stopped in the group stage. Round of 16, group stage, round of 16. So it's like they've been kind of like, in, you know, at least they're qualifying. Seven uh, World Cups in a row, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. But this is definitely going to be uh, like up there as one of their biggest victories. Although Germany is starting to lose their luster, man, they're starting to lose like that. Uh, that that their brand is going down, man. Oh, I can't hear you. What you sound uh sound like a robot. What about now? See, I can kind of hear it. Yeah. Okay, hold on. Can you hear me better now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, maybe they thought they could win just with the camisa, you know? I want to say you have to go all the way back to uh, to their World Cup victory. That's the last time they've they they've had a win, man, was in the World Cup uh, in 2014. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, they... they... They used up all their powers defeating Germany. I mean, defeating Brazil. Argentina. Or was yeah. it set, set, No, but but they humiliated Brazil. Oh. <laughs> seven, seven, one or seven something. Seven one. Damn, I rem- I remember that was probably one of the biggest shocks I've seen watching football. Really. Seeing just Brazil losing like that. At home. It's like it's like when they kill Superman. Just kind of the same. I'm like, oh, snap. You know, I don't think I ever see that. And I think I see Brazil get manhandled, especially at home. Yeah, definitely, man. I think people like still cry about that day. I was in Central America. Imagine if Mexico, like, in in twenty twenty six, get all the way oh, to the semis and then get their back blown out seven to one. But we wouldn't even <laughs> we wouldn't even be mad. We'd be like, hey man, we got past the fifth game, you know. <laughs> it depends who though. It depends who. Yeah, it depends who, right? What if it was USA? We'd probably yeah, probably never no, live that down, bro. <laughs> yeah, we should we should stay in the in the round of sixteen. Hmm. Better off. Better off, I mean, with, with these shock results, you were saying they could be a possible US next matchup. Could be. It's going to be in the quarterfinals if it happens. It would have to be 
uh, we would have to get past either France or Denmark. And then USA would have to get past. Uh, I don't know who who they would play in the in the quarter in the round of sixteen, but it wouldn't well, be easy. But, and it's and it's funny to see. Well, I would say ironic to see the situation they're both in because they're very similar situation where they typed their first game, and then their next game is against um, the strongest team of the group. Yep. And and which happen to also be rivals. Right. Argentina, England, one of the big rivalries. This, this battle goes all the way back to the Boston Tea Party. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, Argentina and England are rivals. Oh, Argentina. Yeah, in England, they're rivals. And oh, because of the handball? It's like, oh. Oh, from the Malvinas, the Isla Malvinas. England uh, took the um, Falcon Islands, or they renamed Oh. <laughs> they took them from Argentina. And then after that was in the 86 World Cup when Maradona scores with the hand. With the handball, and, yep. And it's, that's when he says it was the hand of God. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so he, was, he was making up for them losing the. Or for, or for you know, it was like justice for England attacking taking there. I, I, I'm not too, like, I don't know too much into the history of that. Uh -huh. but, but yeah, that was, it, it stems from that. Guerra de las Malvinas. Wow, I didn't know about that. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, and then the, after that, they met up a few times. But I think they already like brutal matchups in national tournaments but we're going pretty far back so I don't mm -hmm. yeah I don't there was an, I don't think there was TV or anything so tomorrow we'll, fi we'll finish up the first round of this group stage and um Curious to see how Portugal do against Ghana. I think that's a very like people overlook Ghana, man. Ghana's a difficult opponent. I think. What happened, Ghana? What? I I can see them being a difficult opponent. Yeah, they have been. Uh, pretty much a lot of these African teams, like Ghana, Senegal, Nigeria, Cameroon, they've been. They always been difficult. But they've just never been able to really like assert themselves. Yeah. So you had that one shock when Senegal, I think that was their World Cup debut, and they they defeat France. Yep. And I was like, what in two, I think. Um, and so in Nigeria, um, no, not Nigeria, Cameroon. Cameroon defeats Argentina at the '90 World Cup. And mm -hmm. I think that was their opening game, and they're playing Argentina, which were defending champions. So you've, they've always like had some results like that, and and really good players, but they've never been able to become dominant or 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 teams that have been consistent for more than like one cycle. By cycle, I mean like one World Cup cycle of like right. four years longer than that where they're like good for like 10 years or 12 
I feel like Ghana's been consistent. They're like one of the African teams that you always see them uh, in the World Cup and, and get out of the group stage. And obviously the controversial handball with uh, Luis Suarez. That's what I think of when I think of, of Ghana. I think it was no, six. Was that in no, six? That was in Africa. No, 2010. Yeah. 2010. And Guyan, he uh, takes the PK and blows it. Yeah, it was uh, it was crazy. That was a crazy run. Yeah, but I mean, much more was expected from them, Jaime. In 90... What was it? 90... 96, right? The Atlanta Olympics. Nigeria wins the gold medal. They defeated Brazil, which at that point had not won it, which was ironic because by 2011, London Olympics still hadn't won it. That's a Mexico. That, that was the one team that was like supposed to be like really good. Nigeria? And yeah, they even beat Mexico. I remember that game, which was frustrating. Um, yeah, and then at the group stage, they beat Spain, which was one of the candidates, one of the favorites. Mm. But then they sort of crashed after that. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then, dude, that team played really good. If, if you get to see or you want to see goals of the Nigerian team from 97, like around those years, they had a lot of really good players. Um, JJ Okocha and... Oh, man. They were, dude, they played. I remember one of their players saying that. Because I think by O2, they weren't that strong anymore. And he was he was criticizing. He's like, well, the reason the team sucks is because they're way older than than people think. <laughs> <laughs> which, was, which was a big controversy uh, for a couple of years before that. Were about, like, that the African teams would use cachirules. You know, they would lie about player ages, which is, I could probably see that happening, like selling players. But yeah, that, that continent, though, it was one of the continents that, like, once the World Cup started expanding, because for many years, it was basically South America. Europe. Once it, yeah, once it started expanding and becoming a true World Cup with everyone, well, yeah, that... That was like the expectation. Oh no, the African teams are gonna they're gonna eventually be dominant. And it just it never came to pass. And that's another uh, some of the teams that we could look at too where we could say the base of their squad, they're all like based in Europe. They'll have up to ten players in Europe. I had the privilege of meeting Steve Keshi. He uh I grew up with his uh, one of his sons. Uh, oh snap! Yeah, he passed away, but uh, he was instrumental for that team in the '94 World Cup, and uh, it looks like they did really well in '98. They they taught the group with uh, Bora being the coach, huh? Yeah, and Bora talks about how after that, but he said they keep crashing down after that win. Yeah, over Spain, like they didn't want to lose. They beat Bul <laughs> Bulgaria and then they lost to uh, Uruguay or sorry, Paraguay, and then they lose to Denmark in the round of 16. Yeah, but I think going up against Denmark, they were the favorites, probably. Yeah, 
Because they topped the group as the seed, so. As far as Denmark, uh, yesterday, was it yesterday? Uh, pretty underwhelming performance against Tunisia. And everybody is very vested in Group D, obviously, if you're Mexican, because you're trying to figure out who's going to be our potential, uh, you know, matchup if we get past this group stage. And obviously France passed with fine colors yesterday. But we, we are curious to see, like, what the rest of the group looks like. Um, everybody was expecting De Denmark. And it, 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 it might not be. It might, it might be Tunisia or it might be Australia. Who knows? You just don't know. And, you know, Mexico would have that crazy, like, luck where, let's say something happens against Argentina and we eliminate them from the World Cup. And then maybe we get a favorable result against Saudi Arabia. We get first place in the group. And then <laughs> we end up playing what would should be the weaker team in, in Group D. And it ends up being like a France or something. So this is why the group stage is uh, or the World Cup. That's why you play it because it's so unpredictable. But very curious to see what happens tomorrow. And then on Thanksgiving, it's back to back to business, and we go straight to uh, to Group A again. Any game you're looking forward to? <clears throat> um, I am obviously very looking forward to England USA. That's gonna be a very fun what? game. England Which USA. One? England USA on Friday. It has been, and this is the second time, actually third, third time that they face each other at the group stage. Mm -hmm. I remember uh, United States celebrating a draw as a victory the other, the last time. Yeah, I guess it was huge. It was the opening match, and it was a, a good English team, um, and it was in uh, was it in two? When they were in the group? No, it was 2010. 2010, so... Yeah, because they were coming from a 3-0 and in 06, where they didn't get out of the group stage. And so it's 2010 now, and they're opening matches a really strong opponent mm -hmm. that, you know, we, we look at that stat, losing your opening game is that 60% chance of you're not getting out of there. Yeah. Uh, there are exceptions yep. like Spain. They went on, they lost their opening game, but then went on to win the whole tournament. I think Argentina's similar. Well, at least they have that ability, you know, because of the type of players they have. Uh, so yeah, it was huge for the U.S. By 1950, when, when they beat them, and it's like, they were using the tele the telegram back then, <laughs> and they, they sent out the wrong result. They put England beats US one zero. Oh, really? Yeah, that was one of the World Cup stories. That interesting. That or or they thought it was a typo. Was that in Switzerland? You know, no, it was in Brazil. Nineteen fifty. Oh. Yes, nineteen fifty. That's the Maracanazo. 
Oh. It's the year of the Maracanã for Uruguay. And the last World Cup for Uruguay. One of those heroes ended up uh, like homeless, which was like surprising for me being like Uruguay man. Like I would think you're one of the heroes of the Maracanazo. Yeah. To me, it's like it should be guaranteed like any restaurant you go into, any bar, free meal, free drink for life. And this dude, he, they were doing like a where are they now? And he was, he was living in the street, this homeless dude. Crazy. They ended up like they ended up helping him, but I'm like, how many years went where this dude was just there, you know? I won the World Cup. <laughs> sure you did, you bum. He had he had his medal right <laughs> He probably pawned it for something. But it's sad it's sad. I mean we're laughing, but it's it was sad to to end up like that. Um but yeah, nineteen fifty. God damn, I mean because, I mean, before that, World Cup had been put on hold, the World, World War. World War, yeah. Yeah, that, so it just came back. And back then, it was weird. It was like, it was kind of like points. It was, yeah, like, it was weird. It was like a like a group, like a table, right? It wasn't even like groups. Yeah, it was, or two groups. Oh, I, I, I can't. I, can't I don't think there was groups. <laughs> I think it was just like a table with like all these teams and... Yeah, it was interesting. Interesting format. If there was, it would have been just like eight teams and then eight teams and then they like played each other and then the top the top whatever of each table then cross played against each other and then they just they did like round robin and then whoever had the most points was the winner. But it ended up being like a final because um, Uruguay and Brazil were the ones with the most points. So the winner was going to be the win, you know? It ended up being like a, like if it was a final match. Yeah, it's weird. They had like... I don't know. It's very confusing. Well, that's... And that was the great story of like Uruguay, if you, you read on it, where the FA for Uruguay, they were so convinced they were going to lose, they just told... Because it was being broadcast on tv i don't know if it, it was probably the first you know world cup game of that that was being aired um at least to some extent and they were like hey just you know just don't embarrass us out there and that's like all they asked and the team captain was like fuck that noise we can beat these bums you know like we got this and uh they go on and win it which was because uh, I think Maracana at that point was uh, 200K, 200,000, I think. They had like four groups and. Oh, you went to look for it? <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. They So it's like, they... it's like Brazil, Yugoslavia, Switzerland, and Mexico. Mexico got zero points. And then, like, Spain, England, Chile, United States, and then Sweden, Italy, Paraguay. And then, for some reason, Uruguay and Bolivia had their own group. <laughs> and, and then the winners of those group got into another group, and it was, like, the final round. And then it was still point-based. So, like, Uruguay won with five points, and then Brazil had four. Yeah, it's 
Strange, man. Well, and there's no other thing with points, Jaime. Um, I don't think winners used to get three points. Uh-uh. It was two points for a win. Just, yeah. Yeah, two points. I don't know if there was one point for no. If it was five points, they, they would have. I think they were given one point for the draw. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's so crazy how how much football has changed. With now for us, it's the bar. Yeah, which I still not a fan of. I mean, back then people were talking about we're not a fan of these points. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it three points? And then the cards, I think 1970 was when they started using the yellow card, red card. Which makes me wonder, you know, strategy-wise, would you want a coach that is consistent for a table type of tournament? But then when it comes to a round robin, that's a completely different strategy, you know? like. So it's, I don't know, man. I feel like there are coaches like Matias Almeida who are better in yeah. a knockout format, but they're not necessarily good for a qualifying, like... I, I agreed 100% there, Jaime. Yeah, yeah it's I, interesting. I seems to have flourished in, in these cup tourneys, but in the long format, he's never done so good. I don't know how he's doing right now in... Um, Greece. In Greece, but he never he's never done good. Um, so when... Yeah, so when, and when it was in Argentina with River Plate, and then I think it was Banfield, he was just mid-table with both teams. Uh, and then with the earthquakes, if you were to compare like the both, because you know how they have their like east and west coast. If you were to add it though, they would be like I think mid to bottom table. And then the same with Chivas, if you were to add all his seasons, you know, if you were to add him up at points, he's like a mid-table type coach. But then uh, when you see him in tournaments, like in cups, although it can be argued some of these were weak sauce, but he, he, he did way better and he won. He ended up winning five of them in Mexico. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, th- I think it's interesting. I was looking at like the Euro in 2020, right? You look at Portugal. Portugal ended up third in their group and they didn't they they got one victory, one draw and one loss. And that's where the third the, the yeah. was it the first the best third places, the first two or the, Yeah, it was like the best the third best. best third place, right? Yeah, they they advanced. Or wait, what year was it when Portugal won it. Was it 2016? I forgot what year. Yeah, they not were. too long. Yeah, not too long ago. It's against France, right? The joke I'm was looking at the wrong they, tournament. Yeah, there was one tournament where like they literally like only won two games, and Damn. they they won the whole thing. <laughs> and they won the whole thing. Yeah, because they just kept going. They kept drawing. <laughs> I think Greece did the same thing. I'm trying to find it right now. Greece, I think, won it with just a bunch of empates. Well, that, that oh, was yeah. Okay, here we too. go. 2016, Portugal, <laughs> three ties in the group stage. They end up in third place in their group. They get to the knockout phase. 
in the knockout phase in overtime they beat Portugal. They beat uh, Croatia, which and, technically is a tie because in regulation time it was a tie. And then in the quarterfinals they tr- they tie one one against Poland. They beat them in penalties. And then in the semis they so, fi- so- they they finally win with uh, against Wales. And then in the final they win in overtime. <laughs> Yeah, so only they were only able to win one game in regulation time. <laughs> and then the other ones had to go to the overtime and yeah. penalties. Damn. I same I think it was similar with um with Almeida now that you that the day he won the with Chivas? When, when Chivas. Yeah, yep. I think they drew I think almost all their games, but they kept advancing because it was a better uh... seeded. Atlas and Tigre, uh, Toluca, we got through on, on draws because of we were the higher team. <laughs> and within the, the Tigres game, was it? Um, did it? And the Tigres no, game, we the Tigres game we won fair and square. And then also in the CONCACAF, remember? In the CONCACAF Champions League. <laughs> yeah, it dude. Went to penalties. It, yeah. It, the final game was penalties. Damn, I was like, I don't want to lose this one at home in PKs. Yeah, dude. So it's like, you need just some crazy string of luck, and you need a coach that's yeah. that knows how to how to win these formats. Well, you know, one one thing that you could see that that they're good at when when you have teams that are like clawing out these results, it's where you'll have coaches that are pretty good at like. Uh, keeping their players motivated and, and keeping their confidence. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that of Almeida that gets a lot of like, uh, it gets a lot of play with um, that recording in the locker room when he's, he's oh, giving yeah. the speech to the players. And, and so, yeah, you could see why these players go out there and, and, and a lot of times overperform. Yeah. That speech is very motivating. Gets me riled up sometimes. <laughs> you hear me before going to work, Jaime? I can't imagine. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine like the kind of conversation that Tata Martino has. Like I've, I'd probably fall asleep. <laughs> sometimes you you could get a hype man. Uh, I know Belsa used to have a hype man. I don't know if his name was Bonini or something. And there was a clip where the where this is when he was at Chile and then this guy passed away but they recorded him hyping up the players and they're walking out of the stage and he's like yelling at them concha tu hermana <laughs> he's like insulting them but like in a yeah in a good way <laughs> like not in a not in a put down way but more in a like amping them up and hyping them up mm-hmm. and he's right there just yelling and just these dudes so you could you could just see it dude you could see it in their eyes they're all getting all fucking fired up and and that was that's sometimes i mean if you're a coach you don't you don't have to do you could have someone in your that's why you have the whole um uh what is it coaching you know they have a group i don't i don't know if tata has but i would agree with you man i don't i don't think he looks kind of like a librarian. He's just boring. Very similar, similar to Osorio. You know, they come, come like he probably comes in and they I think where, like, oh, where Osorio, I think what Osorio did that inspired confidence in the players is they knew exactly what the fuck to do, man. He had a plan. 
At least he had a plan for the uh, the Germany game. He didn't have a plan for Sweden, but like uh, yeah. that, that's where you get your confidence from. It's like knowing well, and, exactly how to execute a match. And but he also had a player like Marquez as like pretty much a player coach in the field mm-hmm. that he could direct players. And he's such a influence that they they're gonna listen to him. No, absolutely. I don't, just, just really quick on on like like inspiring speeches. I remember they recorded um they recorded um Vasco Aguirre, and this is when he he came back for the second time, I believe, and Mexico was gonna play the U.S. and they were playing them at Azteca. And it was like a must-win game, and they recorded his him like hyping up the players, and that one dude, I I was like ready to go on the field. <laughs> and, and I'm I ready like, to die. A Wait a minute, I'm not even playing. I'm sitting in the couch. I'm gonna fuck up the cereal though. Like. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, dude, I remember I was like, let's do this, and then I'm like, wait, wait a minute. Not, this game already passed and I'm not even there. But that's that's how much it got to me, man. He he was telling them like, dude, I need you to be hungry, I need you to be like lions. He's just telling them all this. And it's not just the words, it's it's their tone mm-hmm. and, and how they say it, their delivery. And that's and I think that's what has helped him as well. Um Aguirre and, and throughout his whole career. He just he just probably just lost it at Monterrey. Dude. He, just, <laughs> <laughs> he probably thought they didn't need hyping up. He's one of the most talented, expensive squads. And like, I have to motivate you, Bonds, to play Querétaro. Like, you know, <laughs> what the fuck, dude? <laughs> they just released the clip from Saudi Arabia's coach, and he was freaking on one, bro. Oh, Jesus, I have nightmares, I mean. <laughs> Feels like some African warlord forcing me to dig for blood diamonds. <laughs> well he's like i think he's french he's french and the guy was like one of the teammates was like translating so it's like it's like you get a double you get like you know you get like the double punch bro because it's like he's screaming at you in french and then you get the translation at the same time like oh shit dude relax guy i know right you're not gonna get paid your families are gonna starve dude I remember, man, you know who had the biggest, like, stressful job was uh, BSL's translator at Leeds United. Because that dude, not only did he have to translate it, he had to say it the way Biesla wanted him to say it. Oh, yeah, and then Biesla would correct him. (laughs) Yeah. And this guy was like, dude, if you know, why aren't you talking? Yeah. That's that's almost like, uh, like, like a... You know, like the captain of a pirate ship making his parrot talk. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to give the press conference up. 
Yeah, they need a they need to hire uh, K and Peele. You know, the angry translator from Obama. I don't know if you've seen that skit. They need <laughs> no, some of that, dude. I, I couldn't really imagine. I need to watch it. Yeah, yeah, dude. My my favorite skit of his is the substitute teacher. Oh man. When he's saying the names, O'Shea Hennessy and A A Ron. And there's a A A Ron on uh, <laughs> Team USA. <laughs> Dude, we saw him. We saw him get subbed in the uh on uh, against Wales. His name's uh A Aronson. Brendan. No, but, they, but he does he pronounce it A <laughs> It's like Aaron and then Sin. So it's like Brendan A Aronson. <laughs> Jay Quellen is my favorite. Jay Quellen. <laughs> Freeze on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, dude. Good stuff. Well, we're at the hour mark, Joel. Um, we gotta, we gotta pace ourselves, man. We this is only day four. <laughs> no, it is, it is. But, but I felt there was some, some talking points because they, they go into some of the stuff we've been talking to, and it's they're always good as reference because people always like to make these claims, but then when you say, well, show me the results or show me show me how the improvements are they never they never really bring it you know so how how did you get to this conclusion right and they say well it's just because Brazil and Argentina but they're the outliers right they're, they're, they don't need they don't need that they don't need to um and so that's that for me has always been like and those were the, the two big results that we saw Saudi Arabia Japan and they're kind of like at the opposites of the of you know, yeah, of the talking point, and so it's it's good. I I will do my homework later and and check the Japanese team and see when the players left. Did they leave at a very young age, or did they leave like in their mid twenties? And how many of them played together at least at at the club level? I hate to say it, man. It I hate being right all the time. You know when it. <laughs> <laughs> I called it, man. Canada not doing shit. I, I called it. Um, you need to give your boy uh, Martin del Palacio a pep talk, bro. His predictions have been really, <laughs> they've been they've been oh, pretty man. bad, bro. You gotta talk to your boy. I do. It's it's hard. World Cup's always hard. I mean, I predicted a blowout for for Argentina, and they got. <clears throat> And technically, smacked. you weren't wrong because three of those goals were offside, but they were. They looked pretty, pretty <laughs> close. Yeah, and a penalty too, right? <clears throat> a penalty that wasn't called. Right. No, it, it could be hard, but I, I think you're being too harsh on on Canada, man. I think for for them being their first World Cup in I think since what '86, it's not a bad result, man. Especially going up against a Belgian team that's been top 10 for the past what maybe 10 years now well this is the this is the part that's concerning is like this was their best performance and they still lost so it's like <laughs> yeah but, but how you may come on how, what would you how, rather have you rather play ugly and win or, or play beautifully and lose no, but get but, the praise but you know i'm saying we should relate because in mexico i know you've heard the saying jugamos como nunca perdimos como siempre and and you we saw it with mexico a lot of times where they would have these really great games against lose. Uh, bigger opponents and lose. And so Canada is just 
beginning to be consistent at the world stage where they weren't for a long time. And so like, you know, we mentioned again, they just started their league. They're hosting the World Cup. They're they're just getting into it now. Ah, they should just stick and to now. hockey. Just stick to hockey, guys. <laughs> Canadians, if you're listening, just stick to hockey and hunting moose. And uh, your maple syrup's pretty good. But when it comes to soccer, you guys need to learn how to finish, bro. Holy shit. <laughs> oh, Jaime. I can't Jaime, you. So Mexico fan, you turn to hate, 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 bro. I'm on that hate right as, now. <laughs> as, as Pastor said, this is next third World Cup game. Not able to score. Yeah. Well, and we've I been we've been waiting. <laughs> we've been waiting for the Argentina match. I think that's we're gonna They're release all our goals. demons there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll be happy with a draw and then the unleash their demons against the Saudis. Uh, I'm okay with eliminating Argentina on the group stage. I think that would be the best karma for us getting eliminated would, by them. No, it, yeah, as far as results, yes. That would be, yeah. A quick, I'm, I'm, all right, I'm, I'm setting not, up the stage for, for, for Saturday. It's going to be one of the best games, I think, ever in the World Cup group stage. I, yeah, and that, maybe for Mexico. Mexico. Dude, their, their game was good, too. Um, I have to look into it. I would recommend it again, Jaime. I'm going to recommend uh, Michael Cox on Twitter. He's Sonal Marking, and he has a webpage. And I think he would write for, I don't know if it was The Guardian the or Athletic. 442. He's written for different, and he does really good breakdowns. Like, I, I don't really get into uh, tactics, but mm-hmm. he does it really good. Like And, and it's it's like pretty good reads and I would always check his during the World Cup I would just check how because he would he would just break it all down how the teams and I'm pretty sure he's going to put how he's going to write how Mexico pretty much erased uh, Lewandowski uh, Zono underscore marking <laughs> on Twitter I just found him so I'll check it out there you go but uh... yeah he's bound to have an article on that which should be a good read uh we will probably, we'll probably uh, ref, like talk about it here. If he, he always writes pretty good stuff, so we should be able to use some of that stuff uh, for reference. All right, well, well, thank you for hopping on today. We'll see uh, when yes, our next podcast you, is. Um, hopefully, the next time we talk, we we have eliminated Argentina from the World Cup. That would be <laughs> that would be the best. Um, but yeah, it would be a drunk podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, for our listeners, if we don't hear from you, uh, until after then, hope you guys have a great Thanksgiving and we'll catch you guys soon. Let's go.